You're listening to Carry On Friends, the Caribbean American Podcast, Episode 81. Welcome to the Carry On Friends Podcast, where you'll be inspired and empowered to do amazing things in your personal lives, career, business, and community. With your host, Carrie Ann Reed Brown. Hello, everyone. Welcome to a special edition of the Carry On Friends podcast. Um, on this episode, I'll be having three guests. Um, start departure from one, but I promise this will be a great interview. So my, I'm introducing my first two guests, Jamila and Carrie Lee. And I'm not going to give you too much about them. I'll let them say give you a little bit about who they are and then we'll get into the conversation that we're having. So um, Jamila, go ahead and tell the community of friends more about who you are. Hi everybody. I am, my name is Jamila Hollingsworth. I'm the founder and owner of the HR boss. The HR boss is the first Caribbean HR millennial consultancy. And what we do here is we try to help millennials in every aspect of their career. Um, I was born in Barbados, um, but most of my education was done in Jamaica. So that's a little bit about me. All right. Nice. Nice. Carrie Lee. Well, hi, I'm Carrie Lee Dixon and I'm from Jamaica. Pretty much I like to describe myself as a creative. That's me at the core. Um, so I use my design skills and technology to help people. And I'm the founder of For Women to Women, which is a digital resources platform for millennial women and her focus is really um, connecting women to opportunities. We started in 2012 as a blog and we have been through a number of changes and more more recently we have been working on building out our resources platform, you know, connecting women to opportunities such as scholarships and jobs and um, a number of new things that's growing. So pretty much that's what we do. Awesome. So the reason why we're having this different um, format is because um, we came across, um, I came across this article that Jamila wrote, and it's part of a, a another project that I'm associated with, Caribfluencers, and so Jamila is part of that group, and um, there's an article on her platform that caught my attention, and that article was kind of asking whether North American millennials are better than Caribbean millennials. And so Jamila, I w- would like to get what was the impetus? What was what was happening why you decided to write this article almost a year ago? Okay, so the catalyst for me writing the article, I attended SHRM, which is the International Society of Human Resource Managers Conference yep. in Las Vegas. It's an annual conference. I go every year, different states in the US. And I'm always dumbfounded about the lack of Caribbean presence at this conference, particularly millennial HR practitioners. Now, HR, a lot of people see HR as more a a practice for older people. Mm -hmm. There aren't much young HR managers in the Caribbean, let alone in North America. So I I stood out like a sore thumb. And then I started to analyze why is it that we have the same resources, we have the same platforms, but North American millennials seem to leverage those platforms better than Caribbean millennials. So the article really was, if you're familiar with my style of, rant, of writing, was really just a rant, um, just asking questions about uh, even when we're proving ourselves in the Caribbean in terms of entertainment, we have the biggest pop star from Barbados, Rihanna. 
she made it straight out of Barbados. She didn't go anywhere to make it. Um, we have the biggest, we have the sprint capital of the world in Jamaica. And yet um, the programs, the athletic programs in North America are more sought after than the MVP program at UE or at UTEC. Mm-hmm. So my rant really was asking questions or trying to create a conversation like the one we're having now. Why is it that we consider North American millennials as to being more advanced in terms of branding or in terms of business um, over Caribbean millennials? All right. All right. So um, when I read this article, I shared it with Carrie Lee and Carrie, you know, what are your opinions on this article? I don't want to put anything in your mouth um, in terms of that. And and Jamila, you said a couple of things that, you know, I'm going to come back to once I get Carrie's opinion, because I used to be a member of SHRM. I'm no longer acting in a role that would require me to maintain a SHRM membership. So, you know, there's I, I have some opinions on that but let me get Carrie Lee's opinion okay. on the article well um based on similar to Jamila I've been to a number of events and what has uh, what has been one of the inspiring things for me when I started for women's win was that I didn't see enough women who looked like me or um were also in the rooms at events so that was a big thing that stood out to me what I have found though since starting for women to women is that it's a lot. It has a lot to do with value perce- Value perception is it. What do we value as millennials? So I realized, in re- as it relates to events, there is a bigger pool for events that have experiences and that have entered have an en- a heavy entertainment element to it. So the events that maybe come off a little dry or just more so learning, learning. There's not much of a interest in it. So that's one of the main things that I have personally observed. Um, another thing is persons who say, well, I can't afford to go to that event or I don't feel like they're fitting, you know. So that's one of the things I've observed personally in terms of millennials just investing in themselves and also being in those type of environments as relates to conferences. All right, great. So um, at this time, I want to, I'm holding all opinions until I kind of get or guests to kind of lay out where they, where their, their positions are on, you know, Jamila's initial rant, which I think is good. Um, a great conversation to have. So at this point, I'm going to introduce my third guest, um, Michaela Rose of Style and Vibes. So Michaela um, is no stranger to the show. She's been on the show a couple of times, but Michaela rope in and just tell the people a little bit about you. And then let's get your opinion from, a Caribbean American millennials perspective um, based on what Jamila and Carrie um, just said. Thanks, Carrie. Thanks for having me. Um, I'm Michaela of Style and Vibes. It's a Caribbean American um, lifestyle platform that I started some years ago. Um, Again, I'm no stranger to the carry on friends family, so I'll spare all the details of my background. Um, But I am being based here in the States and I think, I almost, and like many um, Caribbean American millennials, we kind of have our feet placed in both countries. So we can identify, or I personally can identify with the issues that Carrie is discussing along with the experience that Jamila has. I'm quite frequently, you know, even just in my own space, um, I think events like the the SHRM conferences happen a lot more here 
Um, so I totally understand her position as well. Um, in terms of being, I, I think that being based in the States, we're set up from a resource perspective to where it, it allows for a lot more opportunities, um, where the, the landscape is, is very leveled in the sense that we have a lot of access to uh, resourcing around each other um, as a resource, as well as tapping into things like, you know, small business association um, and, and those things. So it kind of, the, the perception is, is is that we are are farther along in the sense that um, we have access to a lot of these things. But I think we still often struggle with the mentality, like Carrie was talking about, um, about entertainment coming first. And it's easier for us to kind of get together and laugh and joke and party and drink. Um, but when it comes to more serious topics that, that are issues for all of us, I think there's still somewhat of a lurker mentality. Um, so I think it's kind of a hybrid of both of what we're experiencing. I think millennials in, in general, because we see people in other cultures um, and other realms here more frequently doing it, it kind of makes it, inspires us to kind of push the envelope a little bit more because we're here, because we're surrounded literally rubbing elbows and you can go to different conferences and events and really experience um, what exactly other millennials are doing. And we kind of have to kind of push that needle to kind of push it forward. And I think it's gonna take um, a lot more collaboration and conversations like these to kind of um, push the envelope a little bit in terms of being able to um, show our competitiveness. I think mm -hmm. that we are there in terms of uh, having the know-how, having the resources. It's just about putting it out there. A lot of Caribbean people don't like to put themselves out there unless it's perfect, unless it's perfection, and unless it's unless it's ready. And we have, and that's a cultural, um, that's a cultural hurdle that we have is everything has to be perfect, or else you know someone is gonna say bad mind this and bad mind that, and we kind of have to culturally get over that mental hump and just really put forth the effort to to bring. Um, what we know to the table. So thanks to that, Michaela. So Jamila, I, I, let me tell you what you've experienced at Vegas is, is probably like, like Michaela said, and, and I think Carrie Lee, you are seeing it from the Caribbean perspective or, but when, when I was part of Sherm and that membership ended like in 2009, because I was no longer in like a HR role and I had other roles I was probably one of the few younger people that was there. And, and it's, it, it's one, um, let me take a step back on carry on friends. I advocate that you have to actively manage your career, join professional associations. I am big on professional associations. The problem is, you know, professional associations can be expensive. So you have like what three tiers of sure membership, right? You have the student level and associate level and a full blown level. And people feel like, why am I paying all of this money for a membership? But you and I see the value in that. And the question could be, you know, maybe some of these millennials do not have people around them to kind of express the value of being part of these mem membership associations and creating that network there because 
these these professional associations are almost the reason why I went from a certain job to another job because I knew somebody who you know was in one of these associations. The other thing is um, there. You know what I noticed is anyone familiar with Uncubed? Sherm tends to have a more mature feel because if you notice, there's like recently they've been running some Sherm ads over here. And the people you see on the ads are the more professional ones that perpetuate the stereotypes that it's only older people are in Sherm. So there's not really a young face that you see. And so but what I've noticed, there's this company called Uncubed, which is kind of trying to be a younger, hipper version of Sherm. Indirectly, I mean, they they advertise tech jobs, but they have like their own HR conference here in Brooklyn. That is a big to do, but it's it's a younger, hipper feel. And that's part of why, you know, maybe we don't see younger people. But to your point, as what 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 have you been doing since then or what have you seen since then to kind of give you hope as to whether, you know, Caribbean Americans are trying to gain inroads in, you know, making a stamp in terms of, you know, we're here, we're doing big things. And, you know, what are you noticing? And Carrie Lee and Michaela, feel free to jump in at any time. I really want this to be a, a lively discussion as possible. Okay, great. Okay, so since I left Sherm, um, I go every year, but that Sherm in Vegas, I think it was 2013, no, uh, 2015. Mm-hmm. That was a turning point in my life because after I left Sherm, I started the HR boss. Because I wanted an avenue for Caribbean millennials to know exactly what we as HR practitioners are looking for and how to navigate their careers. Mm -hmm. So that was pivotal for me because as a result of my frustration, I started the HR boss. And since then, I've been to five different islands touring and teaching the courses and offering the services that I offer. Um, What I've discovered is Caribbean millennials are frustrated because there's so much barriers. So it's okay to have the resources and it's okay to be be a part of a professional membership. But if you don't have the resources or if your government restricts you from doing certain things, then it makes it harder for you to break into the market. So let me give you two examples. Number one, if you want to sell a product or service or say like I have the HR boss and I have services available online, we have to use PayPal. PayPal only takes U.S. bank accounts, which which aren't available to us in the Eastern Caribbean. Mm -hmm. So if you do not have a green card or if you don't have family members in North America willing to set up a bank account for you, you are immediately cut off from that market because you can't take online payments. The second example would be uh, barriers in terms of the government export. We just got a 27.5% levy for exporting our, our importing in Barbados. Now, if you have a business that is a service-based, a product-based um, business, that immediately takes out your bottom line. Mm. So I don't think it's the resources or the professional association that alone that will be beneficial to us. It's so much harder in the Caribbean to be an entrepreneur or to navigate your career because the opportunities are more limited and you have to be more creative in terms of getting out there and diversifying your product or it's a hustle. It's a hustle, Carly. I don't know if you want to jump in on that end. Well, um, in terms, well, based on everything I've been hearing, in terms of what are we doing from our side, I can agree with Jamila that there are a lot of restrictions. But for me, one of the things that I have found, even just going to these events, is who are they really targeting? I mean, there's a very broad field. So I can give a perfect example. 
like for instance, the Women in Energy Conference, they focus on women, of course, and they don't have a limit in terms of age group. But based on how it is sometimes packaged, it might seem that it's more suitable or fitting for a particular type of people, unless your company is sending you to these type of events. And I've seen a lot of these events happening, but I can also say that there's also been some amount of improvement in terms of events that focus on millennials, that are not only learning, learning focused, but also have some amount of fun for millennials. Because I feel like if we're just going to focus on the learning aspect without really fitting in some amount of lifestyle experiences, then I mean, if it might be a little bit drab and you won't pull as much millennials. So that's one of the things I have found. So it's really what do millennials value and are we really creating the spaces for them? And that's how For Women to Women really came about to, in terms of just creating events for millennial women. Perfect example, when I did my brunch, I found that based on the type of speakers we had on the platform as well, made a big difference you know even um the price point also dis- deterred some people because they're like well it's too expensive they don't feel like they fit into this space and i'm like well i created this platform for women like me so i couldn't understand why persons were saying that they can't afford it or they don't feel like they're fitting so i think it have a lot to do with how we also package these events and if we're really address addressing the needs of millennials, like getting to know more about what they really want and creating something that that meets their needs. All right. So what I'm hearing, and then I'm going to have Michaela jump in. What I'm hearing from both Jamila and Carrie is that, you know, there are two types of or categories of restrictions. You have those that are governmental and there's just a part of like infrastructure and infrastructure doesn't necessarily mean physical, but it could be virtual infrastructure. I know the issue of the payment situation. There's this person, I can't remember her name. Her name is at the tip of my tongue from Barbados who she was basically highlighting the same issue, how crowdfunding is also an issue in the Caribbean just because of the payment portal limitations. You have government um, limitations. And I think one thing maybe Jamila didn't mention is the accessibility within the Caribbean, right? So going from, if you, especially if you have, if you do service as a business, um, and then from Carrie Lee's standpoint is how events kind of don't necessarily target the millennials. So, you know, you, you kind of say it's for women, but there is not necessarily an interaction between the older generation of women and maybe the younger generation of women. And then there's this appeal of, um, what does this have? So it's, it's, it's almost on the marketing. So from Michaela and my perspective, what can Michaela and I who have platforms or who are, you know, within that category here in the U S how do we support, you know, millennials in the Caribbean who are trying, but you know, how, what are some ways that we can support Mikhail? I don't know if you have another question because that seems to be like the big question. How do we support Caribbean millennials who are trying to be more entrepreneurial and, and they have these barriers? How do we support, you know, their growth as entrepreneurs or professionals? I think a big part of it is about access and, um, really getting to know what what the gap where the gaps are so for instance no i've been really focusing on re- injecting like new life in my own platform because i found that 
it can seem a little boring. I mean, I'm targeting millennials. These are people who are socially savvy. They're into technology. You know, I, I mean, they're into traveling. What can I do more of that meets their needs? So, yes, they're focused on career, but there's also the personal side that we somehow left out, which is so important. But it's really just finding where the gaps are. And one of the gaps that I have found is that there's a great need for mentorship from women. There's a greater need to build a network. We talk about building networks, but that's also a big challenge for a lot of, lot of people. How do they cultivate a relationship or maintain a relationship, not just with their peers, but also more experienced person? Where can we bridge that gap? I think that's one of the biggest things right now that I have identified in terms of access. Access not only to resources, but also to people you know, who could potentially help us to grow in our careers or in our personal lives. Jamila? Um, I think I agree with Carly. Um, so I think sharing of resources are probably, probably um, you, you know, introducing people to your network. So initially when I came across the barrier of the payment processes, mm -hmm. uh, the, the platform, um, I would have reached out to somebody in Atlanta and they were able to connect me with a bank who, uh, Wells Fargo actually, who helped me to get a U.S. bank account so that I could facilitate payments via PayPal. And I think if I didn't have that resource, my business would not be international like it is now. And then I got around a number of government reg regulations by registering my business in Canada, mm -hmm. which I wouldn't have known if somebody from North America didn't reach out to me to share ways in which they were able to get around government regulations. So I think a lot of information people hold to their self. Yeah. I'm not sure if it's a Caribbean thing. Like they don't want you to get I agree. Kayla, <laughs> jump in anytime. Right? So I think people hold information to their chest, their whole resources, their whole links. But what they fail to understand, we're going to get to regardless, you know, Rihanna bus from right here, so. So, I mean, she didn't have the resources, she didn't have the fastest student studios, but we have the talent. We have the talent in the Caribbean. You see a bus from straight in Jamaica running on pasture, not um, a track that was, you know, prepared and had the world famous coaches. So, Caribbean people are resilient and we are beyond talented and creative. So, I think if you are most of the correct resources and the access to those resources, you'll be unstoppable. Yeah, I want to say I think something. You both, Go ahead. Sorry, I think you both touched on the idea of going around the thing, and and I think that's the best way to kind of kind of describe exactly what you're doing. But at some point, I think there has to be a bigger movement, mm -hmm. and because, like you said, because no one is sharing this information and it's not publicly known, the government also doesn't know that. If I'm in Parliament and and I'm a and I'm looking to one person because people aren't 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 being aren't, aren't moving overseas like they were in the 60s, 70s, 80s, and even early 90s. People are are staying where they are and, and really cultivating what they know because it, it is now, like you said, Jamila, it's a global economy. So if 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 I'm in government and I see that we have all this talent, but 
if they don't know the talent that they have, mm-hmm. one, there has to be some some younger generation who kind of bridge that gap. It's the only way that you will not have to go around or the next person coming behind you has to go around. Because if I'm looking at, if I'm a, if I'm a policymaker and I see that we have all this talent, but they have to go around us in order to succeed, that actually puts us at a disadvantage because we as a government are now not supporting the talent that we have and the business is going elsewhere. Mm -hmm. So imagine how many more people you could help in Barbados, in the, in the, in the Caribbean as a whole, rather than using those same resources externally. You're probably, I don't know what your, your numbers are in terms of the number of clients that you have, but there might be a bigger ratio if there wasn't such a big barrier. And I think that that's what we has to happen from a Caribbean standpoint. And I think Caribbean nationals, you know, people who are in the diaspora like myself have, have the responsibility to say, Hey, this is what's happening in your back door. I mean, the explosion of castor oil and, and coconut oil and, and, you know, marijuana, you know, vacations, that are happening in 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 the US those are things that should have been documented at some point in terms of well these are the trends there's no one looking at trends and seeing how the caribbean um uh, the people of the caribbean can actually ride the wave of those trends and keep up from a local perspective because i think it's important for for everyone who is based in the region, as well as the diaspora, to kind of collectively work together in order to highlight those issues. Like you don't, if you, if I don't share how much money I make, you're not going to have a benchmark. Right. And that's kind of that's kind of the problem. Is you know, I, if I don't share how I'm doing things, and it's only behind closed doors, then I'm very limited in terms of having a blueprint. If if there are, if the only blueprints that exist are the ones that are in my head. How am I really helping anyone else? And to, 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 to what Michaela said, and I, I, I think the bigger issue here, right? So I don't know about Barbados, but, you know, I know Jamaica has a minister of youth and culture, right? You know, this whole aspect of entrepreneurship, it just kind of seems like no one's paying attention to the youths, or the, the millennials and their entrepreneurial ambitions. And if they do, you know, it's in traditional industry, the tourism sector, not that there's nothing wrong with that, but with the way that the global economy is moving, the way that we have people selling services like graphic services, like I tell people all the time, my website was done by somebody in Jamaica. And, you know, that's a service that, you know, I paid for. I know the person I paid for it. So if there are these limitations in terms of, you know, payments or you don't have a government that's really supporting or there's not a network to support the people who have the skills there in that country. I, and I'm not bragging, but I, I want to say like, for instance, transcription for the podcast, I get that from someone in Jamaica. I've tried other islands, but this young lady, she was able to pick up the, you know, when we go into the patois and the dialect, you know, really well and transcribe that, you know, I'm trying to make sure that I support people who have these skills. Now, if, if no one else knows this or there's barriers for more people to get into this, then we have issues because that same young lady sold her services on Fiverr. Guess what's happening with Fiverr? 
Fiverr. Fiverr is now making it that you have to have certain minimums to make money. So what are other ways that, you know, she as a young person in the Caribbean can make money? So I think it goes back to like a wider situation of like, what is the government understanding of the plights of entrepreneurial millennials like Jamila and Carrie Lee in the Caribbean? And then, you know, the, 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 the call to action for us is clear. Whether if we if you know if we know our work our own, we're going to say, all right, Carrie, this is what we go. This is what you can do, Jamila. Boom, this is what you can do. But you know, if we're gonna if we're always gonna have workarounds, which as you said, Jamila, as Caribbean people, resilient. At some point, we need to have something official because how long these workarounds going to work? You know, and it's changing so quickly, and I'm sure it's different for per island because. Um, you know, Eastern Caribbean doesn't have the access to PayPal, but, you know, there might be another issue for Jamaicans, you know, or, you know, so we, we kind of have to figure out, you know, on a, on a, from a longer perspective, how, how can we mobilize people within the government to understand that there are certain things that are giving, are restricting your entrepreneurs or your budding entrepreneurs to participate in a global marketplace? Because, you know, when, when you go, who else uses Fiverr? Fiverr and Upwork, you know, you have a lot of people from Southeast Asia, Singapore, Thailand. There, That's where most people are outsourcing their services. So if, if, if people in the U.S. are using Fiverr and Upwork, but they can't out, outsource their services to people in the Caribbean because the bare minimum of accepting payments. So we, we have who, who can we raise that flag to and say, hey, you guys need to pay attention to this. Well, I mean, in, just to touch on that part about what the government is doing and if they're focusing on youth, I mean, since we have had uh, this youth minister, I think there's been some amount of improvement. I mean, there are groups that like Jamaica Business Development and your Brands Entrepreneurship Center, those places who have a great mix of millennials and they know what is happening. But the question is, I mean, from the government side, how quickly do they respond to the barriers as it relates to payment online? That's a big challenge, as Jamila said. It's the same thing in Jamaica. I mean, even just getting payment from a client, you have to go through PayPal. But if you don't have a US bank account, you're going to get that fund. And then you have Payoneer now, which is, okay, fine, I can use that, which is probably like the best option right now. Which option is that? Uh, Payoneer. Okay. Right. So you use that to accept payments, but if you want to transfer that to your bank account, then that's another thing. So it's the, the amount of fees. It's just getting access to that money. So there are so many things, but the e-commerce industry is like really growing right now, but there's also a limitation. And I think one of the things that I've identified, and we all know this, is that when there are challenges, then we're all, there's also room to create opportunities. I mean, opportunities. So in terms of e-commerce, I know there are a number of local, what you call them, developers who are thinking about how can we start getting payment um, based on the limitations that we have. So it's a lot. Of, I mean, there's a lot of work to be done. I mean, for us, it's a matter of also airing these challenges that we're having and to see how basically we work around it. But really and truly, we have a lot of barriers and it's all dependent on the government in some ways as relates to the red tape and how we're going to um, move forward and make any progress in those areas. Jamila, I really, I'm, I'm glad I discovered this article in the process of um, with, with Curb Fluencers because, you know, 
up until now, I, I don't think we are we knew we are, we were quite clear of how big these barriers were. You know, um, I definitely know of the payments barrier, but just having this conversation, I'm I'm glad that the show provides this platform to have this conversation and. Hopefully the community listens and then we, we can get more people to, to continue this conversation because it's needed. It's like, you know, people know about it, but there's not much to do or not much being done to kind of advance some kind of, you know, solution to, to some of the barriers. So in terms of your platform and what you do professionally, as you know, as we wrap up the show, because this is definitely a conversation that we'd have to continue what are you looking forward to? What changes are you looking to see? Um, I'm looking to change the entire Caribbean and the way that we practice human resources. Mm-hmm. Um, right now, I'm being seen as a bad girl of HR in the Caribbean. <laughs> and that's a title that I gladly take um, because the way we practice HR, the way people see HR is in, in a very traditional sense. So mm-hmm. they see HR practitioners as being older mm-hmm. and the way that they see HR as a secret society. So nobody knows, you know, what we're looking for in terms of interviewing, what we're looking for in terms of their resumes. So the goal of my company really is to help millennials navigate the workplace to to land the best opportunities possible. Um, Another arm that we started, we started our regional tour. Mm -hmm. And I am a joker. So they call me the Kevin Hart of HR. Mm-hmm. So I travel the Caribbean teaching um, these amazing two hour courses is like a, a rock show is like a concert. And um, I empower people and I teach them how to live out their best lives. And um, now a new mission that we've taken on in 2018 is to help small businesses start from scratch giving them kind of like a blueprint on how to start their side hustle. Mm-hmm. So if it is that you have a career and you don't want to leave your full-time job, uh, we teach you how to get registered, how to get around governmental barriers, and that's been going good so far. So I guess you can look out for us in, in the next year. Yeah, yeah. All right. So, Michaela, I know you were just kind of, you know, we didn't get much of you in, but um, what are your final thoughts based on what we've had this conversation on so far before we leave? What do you think that people in the diaspora listening to this conversation should take away? And what's their call to action? I think collaboration is is the key. Mm-hmm. And being able to help and assist and understand that our differences, I think, um, we're pretty ignorant to the idea that there are different challenges that are like really function. I mean, being able to get paid, that's a huge challenge. And if you can't get paid, then that that's the number one barrier that you're having at the moment and anything else is obsolete. So while we're, you know, trying to email lists and, you know, do marketing and branding and, you know, how can I get my foot in the door to, you know, there are other issues that you can be assisting and any support that we can lend from a formal standpoint or a non-formal standpoint, I think is important to help those who are in the Caribbean region. Because I think, you know, for connections with people throughout the Caribbean, I don't, I wouldn't have the platform that today. So I think it's important to kind of understand the landscape and be be mindful of how you navigate that and how we can be more mindful on, on the collaborations moving forward. Awesome. 
Jamila, Carrie, and Michaela, thank you so much for being on the show. I will make sure I include everyone's contact information in the show notes. This was a great starting point. This is by no means the end of the conversation. We're actually just starting. And I'm glad, you know, Jamila had that rant and I'm glad I found it so we could have this conversation because, you know, it's needed. When I saw it, I was like, huh? And then I read it, you know, I mean, I knew there are some issues, but, you know, I'm, I'm really glad and I'm happy to, you know, I collaborate with Carrie and, of course, Michaela, and I'm happy to do collaborations with Jamila. So thank you so much, everyone, for being on the show. And thank you to our community of friends for listening. And as I like to say at the end of the show, walk good. Okay, friends, I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Carry On Friends podcast. For a recap of this episode and other great articles, please visit the blog at www.carryonfriends.com. That's C-A-R-R-Y-O-N-F-R-I-E-N-D-S.com. You've been listening to Carry On Friends, a show about the Caribbean American experience produced by Breadfruit Media. We post a new episode every two weeks on Tuesday. And if you're looking to learn more, buy our merch, or sign up for a newsletter, check out carryonfriends.com. Or find us on all social media platforms at Carry On Friends.